Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Often called a regional Chinese cuisine, Taiwanese food is making its own distinctive mark on the Bay Area food landscape. Taiwanese restaurants and pop-ups are cooking dishes for an immigrant diaspora, nostalgic for the night markets of Taipei, serving up Lu Rao Fan of pork belly rice and Gua Bao in open pork bun. We take a deep dive into Taiwanese food with KQED food editor Luke Tsai and a local restaurateur who both explain what makes Taiwanese food Taiwanese. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Alexis. So um, you put together this really incredible package for KQED on Taiwanese cuisine. And I want to start back in your childhood. Uh, what was the Taiwanese food scene like here in the Bay when you were growing up? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I, I'm Taiwanese American. I was I was born in uh, Taipei. Um, I, I didn't actually grow up in the Bay Area. I, I sort of moved around a lot uh, in the U.S. Um, lived, um, you know, mostly on the East Coast in New Jersey. Um, but but either way, I, I didn't grow up eating a lot of Taiwanese food. Um, in the U.S., um, it was sort of like there, there'd be, you know, there, there might be a, a grocery store here and there. There might be a restaurant that served a few weekend specials here and there. Um, but it wasn't a cuisine um, that I saw uh, represented a lot. So it was really a cuisine that I only got to experience um, when I would go back uh, with my family over the summer um, every couple of years, basically all through my childhood. Um, and those were really kind of the most impactful food memories that I have, you know, sort of going to the night market for the first time, um, you know, having my uncle sort of goad me into eating stinky tofu for the first time, um, eating bowls of beef noodle soup, like those were sort of my first memories of um, food as as something that was like a topic of, of um, passionate conversation and debate. Um, and as Probably why I ended up becoming a food writer. Huh. Now, Taiwanese cuisine is sort of fascinating because there's a, both the indigenous people who were on Taiwan and then there's all these sort of successive waves of, of immigrants. What kind of – what did that mix of people, what kind of cuisine did it end up creating through time? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it cr- created this really varied cuisine that you can't really point to one specific dish or one specific flavor and say that's what Taiwanese food is. You know, so I think you have the food of of the people who are indigenous uh, to Taiwan, 
Um, you had foods of um, people, uh, what are known as the Huklo, who started arriving from China um, as early as the 17th century. Um, and then you had the sort of transplants that arrived after 1949, which was, you know, basically after there was a Chinese civil war, the communists won and the nationalists who were defeated um, end up fleeing um, and relocating to Taiwan. And they sort of developed their own cuisine, which was basically Chinese, um, but then took on its own identity over the decades um, as well. So, so it's hard to point to any one thing, you know, but I think one thing that you can point to is the sort of really vibrant night market culture. Um, so that's where you'll find things like, um, like stinky tofu, mm -hmm. um, for instance. And then um, there are dishes that seem like they're Chinese, you know, like, like beef noodle soup is a dish that, that on its face looks, looks and, and, and sort of tastes uh, very similar to a dish that, that you might think of as Chinese, but has its own um, distinct character as well. So it is really kind of this melting pot of, of, different influences, different flavors um, that that sort of come together to form Taiwanese cuisine. Um, we've got to make a quick call out here. What's your favorite Taiwanese dish? Where do you want to go when you want a Taiwanese meal? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. And let's put those questions to you too, Luke. What's your favorite Taiwanese dish? Oh gosh, it's it's hard, really hard to pick one, but I'm gonna give a shout out to Stinky Tofu um, just because I feel like it gets such a bad rap um, in the US. I mean, I remember years ago, um, Andrew Zimmern on his show, Bizarre Foods um, on the Travel Network, uh, went to Taiwan and ate stinky tofu and was so disgusted by it um, that he couldn't even finish <laughs> like more than a couple of bites. And I remember watching that and just thinking, wow, this is just doing such a disservice to this food that I grew up with and that I really love. Um, it's, it's pungent, you know, it's, it's fermented. Um, it really does stink. I mean, it has a strong pungent smell when you smell it. Um, when it's cooked and when you eat it, it has a slight uh, pungency to its flavor. Um, but um, but I, I just, I, I love it. You know, you, you can have it fried, which is how you, you mostly see it prepared, um, you know, in night markets and in the U.S. Uh, but my favorite version, when I go back to Taiwan, there's a restaurant we go to that just serves it um, basically simmered in its own <laughs> pungent juices. Um, and you just get that pure um, pungent umami flavor. Um, and I like to just eat it over rice by itself. And it's it's so delicious. So that's a dish that I'll always look for. And if I see it on a menu at a restaurant, I will always order it every single time. So, you know, for a staple food like that, um, you know, I've always wondered this about your reviews, which I've been reading for a really long time. How do you go about reviewing whether a particular version is sort of good or that are you are you trying to see like is it some hypothetical you know um perfect instantiation of stinky tofu or are you looking for sort of some some innovation in them doing something creative with the flavors i think you know i this is if this is a cop-out answer but i i love to see both <laughs> you know yes I that is a cop-out answer 
Yeah, <laughs> I think that there there are a lot of Taiwanese Americans um, in the Bay Area and elsewhere who are just really nostalgic for those home flavors, you know. So I'm thinking about the food that I had when I was like eight years old or whatever, you know, on some street corner in Taipei. Um, I have a deep nostalgia for that, and if a restaurant can bring me back to that moment. Um, that restaurant has just done something really powerful for me. So, so that like traditional version, I think there's really something to be said for that. Um, but you know, if if a restaurant is doing kind of a modern spin on stinky tofu or a modern spin on beef noodle soup, you know, I'm here for that too. You know, I I love to see that kind of creativity. And I think sometimes, you know, a dish like that, maybe it's an on a you know, tasting menu, or maybe it's just like at a modern restaurant. Um, if it can kind of distill the essence of the dish into some sort of new format, um, you know, that's that's exciting to me too. I don't think you have to necessarily pick one or the other, but you kind of judge it on its own terms in terms of like what the particular chef or restaurant is trying to do. Yeah, as you've come to, um, you know, you've been living here in the Bay for I think a couple of decades now, right? Like at least a while. Um, more than 10 years. Yeah, more than 10 years. As you come to know other Taiwanese folks here in the Bay, what's the sort of, you know, brief immigration history of, of folks from Taiwan to the Bay Area? Yeah, um, one of the contributors to the series, Grace Huang Lynch, wrote a whole piece um, that people can check out if they want to go deeper into it, um, uh, basically about why Silicon Valley is the heart of the Bay Area's Taiwanese food scene, really centered around um, places like um, Cupertino and Milpitas. Um, but the, you know, the, the short version of that was that, you know, there was immigration um, and migration that was centered on um, industry, you know, and it was basically the the early, you know, tech industry, the early, you know, dot com um, industry. Um, so there were a lot of Taiwanese engineers that relocated um, to the Bay Area um, as a result of that, um, oftentimes not even with their families at first, just by themselves to work at these companies. And then I think uh, the, the food scene that emerged um, really emerged kind of in response to that, because I think, you know, as, as Grace, she had a line in, in her um, article about how engineers didn't necessarily make the best cooks. And so, you know, they too were craving these foods. Um, and so you started to have these businesses emerge to cater to that market. Got it. And now I think Santa Clara County is the second largest population of Taiwanese folks in the U.S., right, after uh, Southern California. I, be, I believe that's yeah. I believe that's accurate. And if you go down, you know, I, I for many years, I, I had this impression that there was no Taiwanese food in the Bay Area. I would I would tell people that <laughs> I'd be like, there is nowhere where I can go to find this thing that I'm craving, you know, Taiwanese breakfast, stinky tofu, uh, beef noodle soup, whatever it is, you know, there's no place that serves even a passable version of that. Um, and then as I was researching this series, I started spending time in Fremont and Cupertino. And I realized, you know, well, that's because I wasn't looking <laughs> in the right place. If you want to find Taiwanese food, you can, fortunately now you can find it in San Francisco, you can find it in Oakland. But if you really want to find like the depth and breadth of it, you know, go to some of these strip malls in Cupertino and you'll see like a totally different landscape. Uh, Michael comments, I like to go to the Southland Flavor Cafe in Cupertino for their spicy beef noodle soup. In a previous incarnation, as the Southland taste, they had more challenging proteins like pork uteri 
or uh, coxcomb, which I think, right, that's the thing on top of a head of a male fowl. Those might still be available, but they're no longer on the printed menu. Have you ever eaten coxcomb, Luke? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it may not have been identified as, as such. It might, it might have just been in a spread of things. And, you know, I, you know I'm pretty open and, and adventurous in that way. And, and if, if, you, if you serve that to me, I'll eat it. Um, uh, let's bring in Angie Lin. She's one of the people who's been changing the Taiwanese food scene here in the Bay. She's the co-owner of Good to Eat Dumplings an Oakland pop-up that was recently named to the SF Chronicle's best Chinese food in the Bay Area list. Welcome, Angie. Thanks for having me, Alexis. Yeah. When you started your pop-up, you didn't actually include the name Taiwanese in your name because you didn't think that people would understand what that kind of cuisine was. Has that changed? Uh, yeah, totally. That. Uh, so, yes, when, when we just started, like, four four years ago. It's kind of awkward that when we, uh, because we really want to bring the most authentic uh, Taiwanese cooking philosophy and the flavor uh, and incorporating the local ingredient to introduce to the Bay Area community right here. Um, And um, so while dumpling is, uh, dumpling is a very common food uh, from everywhere. And uh, we try to introduce our food as the Taiwanese style of the dumplings, but Every time we mention that, oh, uh, our style is, uh, is, is Taiwanese and uh, this food is from Taiwan. And, um, uh, and often I saw a lot of uh, question mark on everyone's face. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I stopped, uh, I stopped introduce that um, uh, we are actually from Taiwan. However, over time, over these four to five years that uh, uh, also, thanks to the the the, the multicultural uh, theme that in the Bay Area, that uh, right now more and more people know about Taiwan, and I also feel very exciting that um, so uh, so the Taiwanese cuisine, the Taiwanese flavor, and the Taiwanese dishes uh, has been brought to more and more awareness uh, in the Bay Area, and I'm very excited that uh, now that uh, we get to introduce. Uh, Taiwanese food uh, to, to the community right here. And I, I want you to tell us about one of your signature dishes, the Taiwanese caprese. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so like uh, Luke just mentioned that, uh, yeah. So in Taiwan, that uh, we are, we have very strong theme of. Uh, for the night market and the Taiwan because of the historical reason that uh, it has been quite a journey to keep incorporating um, different culture, different ingredients uh, from all over the place and start to develop its own definition. So Taiwanese caprice is one of the classic example like uh, so uh, tomato that uh, tomato is uh, one of the imported weird fruit uh, back to back to like uh, seven, uh, 70, 80 years ago. Um, so when that fruit just show up uh, in Taiwan, no one knows how to eat those. And uh, here in California, we have all kinds of the beautiful tomatoes right here, including the heirloom tomatoes. Uh, but the, but the, when Tomato just got introduced to Taiwan. That weird fruit uh, actually is more sour and um, 
and uh, people don't know how how to how to enjoy that. And and some people start to uh, have an idea that why don't we enjoy this fruit? Uh, and it's cold. Uh, it's refreshing. So why don't we incorporate with some flavor that we like? That so so Taiwanese people start to use soy sauce uh, and to cook the uh, sweet soy sauce syrup and infused with fresh ginger and some herb to create a kind of the herby sweet sweet soy sauce, a sweet and a savory uh, syrup and uh, to dip with the tomato. So that is one of the most popular refreshing uh, night market dish. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, um, Angie. Yeah. Uh, co-owner, good to eat dumplings. If you'd like to have her Taiwanese caprese, you can get it there. It's an Oakland pop-up. I want to go to uh, Caller Lillian in Oakland. We're going to do a little service journalism here with Luke. Hey, Luke. Um, I'm curious if there is a place in the Bay Area that serves really good winter melon pork spare rib soup. That was always my favorite childhood Taiwanese dish that my grandmother would make, and she recently passed. So I'd love to find a place in the Bay that serves it. No pressure. (laughs) Thanks for the question. Thank you so much for the question, Lillian. Uh, winter melon pork rib soup. That is not a dish um, that I came across in this last round of um, searching Taiwanese restaurants all over the Bay Area. Um, so yeah, I, you, you've sort of stumped me on that one, um, but I will um, go back and research and I will, um, <laughs> if you shoot me an email, I'll try to get you a better answer. Tweet at us, Lillian. That's what we want. <laughs> at Alexis Madrigal, at Luke Tsai. Um Look, I want to ask you one uh, final question here. You know, politically, Taiwan uh, always finds itself in a complex position vis-a-vis mainland China. Do you see the assertion of Taiwanese cuisine as a political statement or something else? Yeah, that's that's a tricky question. You know, I think, um, you know, even as we are running the series, Taiwan was in the news a lot. You know, there was the, the, the actor... Uh, who very famously recently, you know, apologized for referring to Taiwan as its own country, you know, and that was uh, that was very much on my mind when I was running this series. Um, And so I think, you know, China regards Taiwan as this sort of renegade province. um, But I think, you know, um, it's politically complicated, but I think Taiwan um, has been operating as an you know, as an autonomous country um, for quite some time now. Um, and so there is a way, I think, that there are some people who would view kind of um, focusing on on Taiwanese cuisine um, and Taiwanese culture in that way as a kind of um, soft power, you know, to, to sort of say like, hey, you know, we, we have our own culture, we have our own food. Um, this is something worth celebrating. This is something that's not exactly the same thing as you'll be able to find um, in China. Yep. Um, so sure, I think I think that there is, you know, there is something political about like asserting, you know, very boldly, like I, I am a Taiwanese restaurant, like this is Taiwanese food. Thank you, Luke. We've been talking about the Bay Area Taiwanese food scene with Luke Tsai, food editor, KQED. He edited and produced the KQED series, Eating Taiwanese in the Bay. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of the show ahead with Scott Schaefer. 
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.